0: On this episode of Why Watch That.
1: So Camille gets, you know, we'll get all the titles, all of this other stuff. I'm powerless. But the servant gets to be a deaf mute.
0: Mm.
1: And does Camille go, no? No, because Camille's saving her. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Just like they said in Annie. Easy street. Mm. Where Mm -hmm. you sleep till noon? Mm. She might be sleeping until 7 Mm, p.m. Dead. Mm-hmm. Red light, hot light, dynamite. Somebody breaks into the house. There's the plumber. They get harassed in the street. There's the plumber chasing them away. They should call this, not the suspect, the plumber. The plumber. (laughs) She will talk to people with her phone on her about sensitive information. Your phone is a mic. Like the whole time it was like, your phone is on. <laughs> yeah. So his mama played by Radon Chong is like, you're the devil. And not like in Boomerang. Oh, Marcus, you're the devil. No, mm-mm. no, no, you the real devil. you be Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember that producer and Boomerang and then after he does his little, yeah. little leap. <laughs> And he saved her life. Is it like Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard? I wanna run to you. He <laughs> Or is it something else? <sighs> where, where did they find me? I <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we see them being thrown away from the explosion. I don't understand it This is the confusion. So you take that kind of example, go look at it again. It just doesn't make any sense. Look, why is the camera here? But then there's a moment here with um, M'Baku, when he's fighting, I won't give away too much. It's right on the contact point. Welcome to Why Watch That your guide to the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. We're on a quest to go from channel to channel, platform to platform, and festival to festival to help you figure out what you want to watch. We do all the work so you don't have to. So get ready for some unexpectedly candid and entertaining reviews that will help you answer the ultimate question, why watch that?
2: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Why Watch That, where we help you to find stuff that you'll love to watch. I'm Brandy, the producer, joined by...
1: Chauncey, the critic.
2: (laughs) And if you haven't heard, we are all over the place. Um, If you're tuning in for the first time, you can check us out on whywatchthat.com. You can check us out on YouTube. You can get us on the podcast platforms. Um, Yeah, and we release content on social every day. Um, so yeah, just keep keep abreast of what's happening and the why I watch that world. Yes. Um yeah. So just just, just do a check-in with the critic. Critic, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time we go to record, Brandy, you know, I go, what am I gonna say about this stuff? Can I even keep it in my mind? All of these people's stories are bouncing around in my head. And at the very end, we're gonna have the big one. Yes, Black mm, Panther, Wakanda Forever. Oh, I,
2: mean, I want
1: the throne what's, what's that? for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what I have to say about <laughs> later. So, yes, if you're looking for that review, it's at the very end. We got a lot of TV to wade through before we yes. get to that, right, producer?
2: Yep, we do. Um, but yeah, adding that in gave us another mixed bag. I always say if we're gonna do a mixed bag. Now we got a, we got like a 75-25 mix going with the movies and TV show ratio. Um, But yeah, all I guess we should jump in because everybody I know wants to know, what do we think about Wakanda forever? But we're going to start with TV series premieres and kick it off with a show brought to us by stars entitled uh, Dangerous Liaisons. And Dangerous Liaisons... um, already got renewed for two seasons before we even knew it was a thing. Um, So credit, who's in us? What is it about (laughs) who should be watching?
1: Yeah, so there will be a second season. Mm -hmm. Is it that good where they go, oh, we've got to renew this? (laughs) No, what it is is (laughs) Stars is going, look, this is right in our real house because Stars gives us two shows. Really, Mm -hmm. that's what they do. Mm -hmm. One is the Black crime show Mm -hmm. and the other is the period piece romance show. This is the period piece romance Mm -hmm. show. They could just keep. They could do one show and just give it different titles. Why not? And just keep going. Just renew it in perpetuity. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't even matter if this is good or not. Not for a lot of people now. They're gonna watch it anyway. Now there was a movie of this and and so on with Glenn Close and I think it was John Malkovich. Can't remember. I thought the movie was fine. Um, when it comes to this show, it's a prequel
0: mm. to that.
1: So they're younger. This is before mm. the relationship turned sour
0: mm. between
1: Camille and Pascal Valmont. Mm. So we are in France in 1783. Oh, yeah. And there's gossip going on at the theater. You know, everybody's waiting for whatever they're going to watch to start. And there's a particular ca- uh, character that we see. Mm-hmm. Now, this character is played by Leslie Manville, and that's Genevieve de Matur or whatever, however you say that. <laughs> Probably Matheurian, <laughs> but I don't have time for the French right now. <laughs> so, okay. And she seems to be wistfully reminiscing on something. In the voiceover, we hear her say, keep these letters safe, my love. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Now, we come to find out who these letters are from and if they're safe or not. Because then we run into Camille and Pascal. They are lovers, are they going to get married? But there are obstacles. He ain't got no money and she is indentured to a certain occupation. Mhm. Mhm. So huh. it's going to take a lot of money to get her out. She can't work it off. I'm going tell you that. Shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. She tries to work it off. She'll be dead before she pays back, you know, what's going on. Now, she has, I guess it's some sort of servant companion there with her. And she's looking at her going, look, you got to do what you're supposed to do. You got to know the world you live in. And this Pascal person is not going to be your way out. Now, she's also really thinking he's not my way out. Hmm. Mm. but he has a plan he wants a title he's gonna get it from genevieve you know she has titles she has power and she's married he was her lover blackmail so he's like hey hey baby you give me that title you get them letters okay keep these letters safe by love oh they safe mm-hmm. safe enough for me to get that title Ooh." <laughs> okay okay so he tells camille about this plan how does she react Mm. she doesn't like it now okay (laughs) here we go again where i have to step in and think about this logically i don't care what group you belong to whether we're in the same group whatever else if i'm indentured And what I'm doing is not what I want to be doing. And I got to pay back to get out of the indentured uh, Mm. status and it's not going to happen. And you have a plan that is going to blackmail a married woman who's cheating on her husband. I'm down. (laughs) Okay. Better she deal with the problem than me stay in this situation. And he is poor. (laughs) Now, you'll see why. He comes from a wealthy family. You'll see what happened. Because of that. So, like, I was just like, interesting. Look, you could stay indentured then. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (sighs) hey. i them skirts up. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So this is a problem. And, of course, you know that this is not going to work out in Valmont's uh, favor. You know that all of this is going to collapse because they're going to get married. They're going to meet under this bridge, you know, this whole thing. But what about that little conniving Mm -hmm. servant what's she up to (laughs) how does all of this connect because love is fine and dandy but scheming will last a lifetime oh -hmm. yes it will Mm -hmm. and there's also this uh question of who has the power because eventually camille and genevieve meet in what circumstance you'll see and then they have this whole thing about oh you know we're women at this time and we're oppressed and we don't have power great you know the men are in control but what was funny to me is they have these servants who are people of color who have even less power. Nope, who cares about them? <laughs> it was just kind of funny. <laughs> uh, did you writers pay attention to what you wrote? Because I'm looking yeah. at this like, okay, yeah, you're complaining about the men, but <laughs> what about an old boy who was standing there silent? What about this servant? You'll see what she gets because mm-hmm. the question is, can Genevieve go around Valmont via Camille? Right? What does she offer Camille? And then you'll see what's offered to the servant. Mm. Hilarious. (laughs) Okay. Mm. So, like, those, that to me did not work. This whole power play thing, you know, all the men are all bad, and you got these white women who are then dealing with (laughs) black servants. Like, it's just hilarious. And I don't even care about this stuff. Y'all put it in your show. (laughs) Just tell a good (sighs) story. Uh But I think it was a fine enough beginning for fans of this genre, (laughs) despite the confounding (laughs) logic. Something was missing to me here. It just wasn't magical. Like this, when you're in a romance, you want to be swept away immediately. Like it started okay with uh, Leslie, who's a great actor, who's also in Magpie Murders right now, which I'm really enjoying on PBS. So great. You casted it well. She's there. That's the right cast. The voiceover was working. But then when we start getting into it, it's just kind of like, It just Mm -hmm. wasn't rich enough or compelling enough to make this introduction. It is just the first episode I've seen. To make the introduction, must see TV. But if you like the other stars, period pieces, again, they're only two star shows. If you like them. Maybe even if you like the Fontaine-Cosette storyline of Les Mis. Um, then this might be something you should check out.
2: Hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. Next up is a, a mini-series. miniseries.
1: <laughs> y'all, like y'all writers need to get, you need to be a little better with your political comments a little better. And you need to stop, even on set, go, wait a minute. Let me take a look at, how look? Because <laughs> I'll just give it away and then we'll move forward. Like mm-hmm. the servant that's with her, she gets offered to be a deaf mute. To get on this life. Like, it's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> so, Camille gets, you know, will get all the titles, all of this other stuff. I'm powerless, but the servant gets to be a deaf mute.
0: Mm.
1: And does Camille go, no? No, oh, no, because Camille's saving her. <laughs>
2: Thank you. <laughs> Listen, Always stars funny. are Always available funny. for uh... TV show com- consulting. If you guys are looking for no some comments. insight, <laughs> the critic is available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. All right, up next is a mini series brought to us by BBC America, entitled "Mood." So, what is mood? It can be about anything. Mm. Who's in it, and what is it about?
1: Now, see, they handle. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And they handle producer, the political stuff, a little better um, because it's not black and white. Mm. Because okay. it's not. Yeah. There is responsibility on all fronts. So let's talk about mood. And you know what? It's hilarious for dangerous liaisons. I didn't say who made anything like that. Whatever. <laughs> now, mood. <laughs> I'm already in a mood. Look at that. <laughs> So this is coming to us from across the pond. It is uh, Nicole Leckie is the star of it and essentially the creator. It's based on her one-woman play that's called mm. Superho. So, okay, okay. <laughs> where are we going with that? So it's based on Nicole's, you know, play of that title. And along with her and the cast are Laura Peak, Jessica Hines, Paul Kaye, Mia Jenkins, and a bunch of other people We probably don't know here in the States. Uh, I've seen the first two episodes. They were made available via AMC plus. So it is BBC America, like you said, but AMC plus you get AMC and BBC America and Sundance now and shutter. And you know, who knows what else. And they tend to give you extra episodes early for shows. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Nicole plays Sasha. Uh, Sasha is a singer and rapper and, Songwriter, and you know, she's working on her EP, she says.
0: Hmm.
1: Does anyone believe her? She has a home life that's fraught. She's still living with her mother and her stepdad and her stepsister. Now, her stepsister, her father, the stepsister's father is not the stepdad. Okay. So it's a lot of craziness going on here. And everyone seems to be against. Nicole. Uh, Mom isn't really in her corner. Stepdad definitely is not. And stepsister is rubbing it in her face. The stepsister's younger, and you know, she's a teenager. Now, do they have a point to not, you know, be feeling Sasha? Yes. Does she have any point at all, is the question. Does it even matter considering what she's done? Now, what we find out is she's had a boyfriend of 10 years. His name is Anton. They were in all kinds of love until they weren't. And she did not take it well. Hmm. She's doing some stuff that you should not do. The cops are involved. They come to her house. Everybody's like, what have you done? She's like, what, what? You just believe them over me? Now she's high all the time. So (laughs) yeah, I think we would believe the cops in this situation. I think we might believe Anton (laughs) who made a complaint about something that she did, but she claimed she didn't. Mm, 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 Now, things happen. She leaves home, and she ends up being with her drug dealers, riding around, and she meets an influencer, Carly. She's insta-famous and other kinds of famous on some other platforms, I can tell you that. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Easy money. Okay, just like they said in Annie, easy street, mm. where you mm-hmm. sleep till noon. Yeah. She might be sleeping until 7 p.m. mm mm-hmm. Red light, hot light, <laughs> dynamite. <laughs> Red's the color of hot. Oh, my goodness. It's the feeling I got. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay,
1: okay. And for some reason Carly takes an interest in Sasha. I don't know why. Cause Sasha has like a poor attitude that's being kind. Mm. Like the whole time Sasha's like sucking her teeth at her and <laughs> snarling and everything else and Carly's like, I mean, you can come to me with me. I'll invite you to this event I'm going to with a bunch of influencers. Hey, you're you're you know you know, you're a songwriter. You might meet some people. There you go. Right. So of course she ends up going and
0: yes.
1: does she fit in? What happens as they move forward? Because really, she might have to sell out to be on the come up.
0: Mm. She
1: needs a place to stay. Where is she going to stay? She got the mm. drug dealers. She got Carly. And by mm. the way, this is a musical. So every now and then, yeah, no, look, Brady's going, okay. what? Yeah, so every now and then, she will tell the story via song. You know, it, The opening starts where it's almost like they're doing a music video. Mm but it is like a musical it's it's now it's her characters music mm-hmm. but making a point in the music
2: mhm like what was that show back in the day it was a musical it was a sitcom maybe a, it wasn't so back in the day but there was something it's similar was somebody's story yes i think that's what it was
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly yep.
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like that but mm-hmm. this is crazy ex girlfriend is light and fun mhm this ain't got it this is real <laughs> And then you get that and you go, oh, okay. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So the thing that I did like the most about this is Sasha knows really deep down that this is not right. She knows. Mm -hmm. It so there's this, she's always on the on the edge essentially. Mm-hmm. And there is a responsibility to that and honesty to that, that I really did enjoy, uh, not enjoy, but that I appreciate it because this really isn't a feel good TV show. It's not something we're going to go, Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't wait to see this. It's more <laughs> like, okay, let me brace myself.
0: Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Is this worth it? Cause she mm-hmm. gets roped in the stuff and you can see it on her face where she's like, Oh, should I be doing this? But i need money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is if you think of the the rap ish show from isa mm-hmm. ray mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like that but responsible i didn't find rap ish mm. responsible at all i just thought i needed a shower after watching it honestly
0: mm-hmm. it
1: to me that wasn't as responsible in depicting what was happening uh, this is different. This is responsibly disturbing. These these ain't role models. No role, role models, just as J. Cole said, no.
0: Mm, none. <laughs> none.
1: Um, so I think that the writing was pretty good here because they don't spell everything out outside of the songs. The songs start, sometimes the songs to me were a little too literal. They aren't bad. I think they serve their purpose. Sometimes they go on too long as well. Um, but really the overall message is you got to navigate the world you live in, not the world you want to live in. Mm -hmm. See, this is the kind of stuff that I like because it's real. Okay. Yeah. We would love to fix it and everything else, but in the meantime, while you're fixing it, what are people supposed to be doing right now? Mm -hmm. So that's what Sasha has to contend with. Uh, I think bringing up, you know, Issa Rae's rap ish, it's closer to me to if Michaela Cole who did, you know, Chewing Gum and I May Destroy You, um, mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. if
1: she did Mm, mm, mm -hmm, mm Rap-ish. It's like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So I'm not going, oh my gosh, you got to watch this. But if you're interested, Mm -hmm. it's good, it's responsible, um, and there's thought to it.
2: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. The next uh, show up is also a miniseries entitled The Suspect. And that's brought to us by AMC Plus and uh, Sundance Now. Yeah. So who's in this? What is it about? Who should be watching? We'll, ass- I mean, we'll assume it's about a suspect.
1: Or they're multiple. Oh. Is it the suspects? No. We're again across the pond. This is written by Peter Barry. And it's starring Aiden Turner. Yes, from Poldark. Mm. Sean Parks. Anjali Mohindra, Sean Clifford, Camilla Bput, Adam James, and others. Okay. So we start. There's a teen on the ledge of a medical center. Yes, we're in England. Uh-oh. Cops come to Joe, a clinical psychologist for help. That's Aiden's character. Now Joe has early onset Parkinson's. So how's this man going to talk, this teen off of the ledge? Why is the teen out there? What's going to happen in the end? He has Parkinson's. Mm. Now, after that goes down, he becomes sort of famous, right? Mm. If this kind of thing happens. And this links him to two detectives. I won't tell you how. Because there is a woman that's been found dead. And she had 21 self-inflicted stab wounds. They believe hmm. now they ask Joe to consult on the case because via this connection, which I haven't given away, they find out that he knows a thing or two about unidentified female victims and the perpetrators of those crimes. Hmm. Also, we know he has a patient who's obsessed with the number. What number? 21. Hmm. So, he starts trying to help these detectives. The more he does that, the more he leaks things that seem suspicious to them. Hmm. Maybe he's the guy who did it. Now, he's thinking more and more, maybe it's my patient who's the guy who did it. So, is he setting up his patient? Is he right? Is it someone else? Now, he has a child and a wife, you know,
0: mm.
1: he got another child on the way. Do you got to be careful with that? And there are things in his past that are g- going to come to light that can just put everything in jeopardy. I mean, they even have a problem with their plumbing at home, you know, it's little mm. stuff like that. And they got a plumber in there and he's always helping out. What's up with him? Why is he always there? I kept watching this going, why is this every time the plumber is here? like, if you write this kind of thing, we got to do a little better because why would this plumber always be in these scenes? (laughs) He's either the most responsible, dedicated plumber outside of the plumbing (laughs) ever or something's up. Now, I mean, I mean, my gosh, every time, you know, if somebody breaks into the house, there's the plumber. (laughs) They get harassed in the street. There's the plumber chasing them away. <laughs> they should call this, not the suspect, the plumber. The plumber. No, <laughs> so in addition oh. to the plumber, there's also uh what do they call them now? Sex workers. There's a sex worker. Uh there's our colleagues of Joe's current and former friends of his. Are mm. they really friends? You got his parents, what's going on with that? Mm. You learn more and more as you go. And these two detectives, hmm. Now, one of the detectives, the D.I., D.I. Ruiz, they added a little wrinkle to him. He seemed to be afraid to walk up like five flights of stairs. He looked up at, in a building and was like, mm, let's take the elevator. What is that about? Or the lift, <laughs> as they call it, across the pond. So, you know, you got these little things they throw in, and where are we going with this? Who knows? my gosh, how do all of these people connect? Mm. And it all comes back to childhood. There's even one moment when, mm-hmm. you know, someone says to mm-hmm. Joe, everything with you, you know, and, and psychologist is about childhood. And essentially he says, because it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Oh my
1: well, explain to me why people have similar childhoods and different outcomes. You have to explain that to me. <laughs> you have no predictive power with that. So, you know, all of the nasty stuff that happens to kids, unfortunately, in the world, no, one, no two kids are the same in response. So it's all about childhood. Okay. All right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the mood of the show, do they have it? Yes. It's all about mood. Okay. In the First episode, producer, because I've seen all five. The transitions weren't quite working for me. It it was just off. They were either like it was emptiness for no reason or it was clunky. It was abrupt. It just blunted the impact of the show. Mm -hmm. Across the five episodes, it got a little better. I think it won't matter much for people who like these kinds of mysteries, regardless of how ridiculous, because you will feel that you want to keep knowing what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I think the reason to watch is Aiden. Uh, this is a bearded Aiden Turner. He looks like the brother of Gilfoyle in Silicon Valley. That's not mistaken. I was like, here's Guilfoyle, the <laughs> psychologist. And I think it's an interesting role for him to choose. It's a good departure for him. So I, I think that is enough if you're mm-hmm. interested to watch this. It's just five episodes as well, which I think is good,
2: yeah. Cool, all right, sweet. We're gonna head on into TV season premieres. Um, and we have one brought to us by Peacock entitled The Capture, and that's back for season two.
1: Across so the pond again,
2: <laughs> look at that. <laughs> how did season two start, critic? And then, oh, right, yeah, and then, all right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to find out. Now, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the first season. Uh, This one, again, once again, we're dealing with the Brits here. Uh, It's written by uh, Ben Chanin. Holiday Granger is the star of this. Uh, And a bunch of other wonderful people from across the pond are in the cast. And in this season, we do have an American presence in the form of Ron Perlman. Mm -hmm. So he is here. Okay. So it's six months after the first season. And if you don't know what the capture is about, it's really about manipulating um, images, deep fakes, Mm -hmm. things like that. So, you know, you can make someone look like they're guilty of a crime. You can, you know, hack CCTV, put images there that aren't real, and everybody believes it. So that's really what the show is about. And what we find at the start of this season is that there's a man We find out later that he's a scientist from Hong Kong. He enters a residential building. He goes to a nice condo, apartment, flat, whatever they call it. In the condo, he has access to all the cameras in the building. Why? What is going on? And he's looking at one. He notices the front door opens. No one is to be found. (laughs) Is there a ghost? The lift doors open. Still, no one, no one is on camera. Hmm. They come to his floor. The lights come on. You know when you walk down a hallway and the lights come on. We don't see anybody. No one's there. He makes a call. Ding dong. What happens? You can imagine. Hmm. So Holiday's character now, after the first season, she figured out all about this Capture process, which they call correction. I like that name for it. It's called correction, <laughs> where they use it to manipulate stuff. And the issue is, the Brits aren't the only one with this kind of technology. So you kind of have to have it to, you know, uh, defend the country. Uh, also, everyone knows that everyone else has it. So you can't really out it. It's that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So she's actually joined the enemy. And her former subordinate, friend, partner, detective, all of that. He ain't happy that she's done this. Mm. Now, as a member of the correction team, they put her in mapping, which really runs itself. So they're not really feeling her or trusting her at the moment. And she's not happy. Now, what is she really up to here? Has she really gone across to the dark side or is something else happening? Mm. Mm. Now, her former detective buddy. He has he has a new partner now who's also his uh, boss, essentially. Essentially, she took over for Holiday's character's previous role. And Holiday's character, by the way, is DCI Rachel Carey. So, you know, the former partner, subordinate, and so on, who's not too happy with her, and his new partner, who is a superior, they investigate what happened to the Hong Kong scientist? you got it. And you know what's involved. But how is correction being used in any way? Because we're introduced to a politician, the security minister, who's in charge of Britain's China Research Committee. And this research committee is gonna submit a report, of course. Now what they're investigating is this technology This security technology, whether it'll be appropriate for uh, the Brits to take it on. Do you want Chinese tech securing your country?
0: Hmm.
1: Now, he also has ambitions to become prime minister. He got a family. He got kids. All of that stuff. What's going to happen? Well, what happens, let's say everybody, that you turn on the television and you see yourself, but you don't remember giving that interview?
0: Mm.
1: Right? Now, if that's the case, can you come out and say, hey, that's not me to people? Are they going to believe you? Are you trapped? Mm. Who would want to set you up? Right? Now, it's not just the detectives and the politicians. We also have MI5 and the CIA involved mm. here. Oh, so where's this going? Can we trust the Chinese? Are they the ones up to it? Is it something else going on? Are there switcheroos? What's Mm -hmm. going on with this politician? Why is he targeted? Does somebody want to take over the government? What in the world is going to happen with Rachel? What is her ulterior motive? Is she going to be able to pull it off? What happens when the press gets involved? Now, Hmm. This is a technological thriller. It's tight. It's propulsive for most of it. Yes. Some may call it ridiculous. Some may say it has occasionally inconsistent logic, and that's true. Uh, like this whole time, they're like, "Oh, you can't say that." Like this whole thing Rachel does because she thinks she's being watched in her flat, right? So she, you know, goes around to see if there are any bugs. She doesn't say things in the common air area. She only looks at sensitive information in the uh bathroom with the water running she's hidden the computer you know all of this stuff is going on but she will talk to people with her phone on her about sensitive in- information your phone is a mic like the whole time it was like your phone is on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do they use that i don't know it's just like some little <laughs> holes there but this is television right and it is very good television all the way around. There's enough internal logic to not get in the way of entertainment. Okay? Did they go a bit too far in the end? Look, the cow they milked was dry by the time this season finished. Okay? But I was, I was entertained. I do like the idea of the show as well. It's quite chilling when you think about it. It's quite chilling. So, you know, if you haven't started watching this, uh, both seasons, of course, are available now on Peacock and full. If you watch season one, definitely watch season two. Uh, I wouldn't see why not.
2: Hmm. Cool. <laughs> That's funny. We could take um, any leftover milk from that cow and put it in a cup of coffee if we wanted to, right? <laughs> Guys, it's time for a coffee break at one one You're not going to have any
1: milk. That's what I'm telling you. (laughs) It's
2: going to have to be black. It's going to be black black coffee this time. That's right. (laughs) Guys, so what is is Buy Me a Coffee? Uh, Buy Me a Coffee is a platform that Why Watch That is on where you can show your support for our show. Um, You can literally donate as little as $5 or purchase our TV tracking guide to help support the work we do here. We appreciate you. Tuning in um, and consuming our content. So, if you enjoy it as much as we enjoy and appreciate you, um, like, subscribe, share, comment, let us know what it is that you would like us to uh, create, and we will potentially get it in rotation. Um, And if you want to do something else, buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that is where you can show your support. All right. So, now we are back to our regularly scheduled program, and we're gonna head into the TV season finale. Um, this came this came pretty quickly. Uh interview with the vampire. If you don't know, um it airs on AMC, um, another one of those already renewed for a season two series. And um, yeah, season season finale kicks, ends on what the 13th of November.
1: Yeah, if you're watching it on AMC, the channel, right? So there's AMC Plus, which it's already been provided because, again, AMC Plus, you get it a week before and so on and so forth. And there were only seven episodes total, even though they were saying there was going to be eight. Like, I almost missed this. I was like, oh, I finished? When it comes to this, of course, this is based on Anne Rice's uh, book series. We did have the movie. We talked about this before, producer. I mentioned I want my wig. I will do the whole Crip Keeper thing with the wig, though. You won't see my face. You'll just see the wig, and I'll turn around. But I do have to apologize to Sam, who plays Lestat here. That is his hair. Tom Cruise is the one who had the wig. Mm -hmm. You're muted, producer got to unmute yourself if you want to say something to (laughs) us
2: i said okay
1: (laughs) so give me my tom cruise wig you know i can't compete with sam there give me my wig and i'll do my Crip keeper turnaround i'm just telling y'all if you if you need it okay now (laughs) (laughs) this is so ridiculous we are in New Orleans here, of course, and we do meet Louis de Pointe du Lac. We see his whole family situation, which I talked about before. I won't get into all of that again. Um, we know that Lestat sees him, instantly goes, I've got to have Louis, turns him into a vampire. This, of course, estranges Louis from his family. This is on top of Louis' brother dying. So his mama, played by Raidon Chong, is like, you are the devil. And not like in Boomerang. Oh Marcus, you're the devil. No, mm No, you the real devil. You be Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember that producer and, and boomerang in it after he does his little Yeah little leap. <laughs> they ain't leaping. Okay, I'll tell mm. you that. All right. So Louis in a pickle. Because essentially he's lost his family. He loves his family. He was the one in charge of the finances and keeping them in sound financial position. And essentially he was running brothels. Now, the locals in New Orleans, because this is a long time ago, you know, racism is running around. They start enacting laws where he gets forced out. But that means they got to deal with a vampire too, in fact. How's that going to happen? And, you know, they have powers as vampires. Now, Lestat has more powers, he's older, and certain powers he's hidden from Louis. And eventually, you know, if you've seen the movie, that they're going to come up with a child. Now, she's 14 here, which I believe is a little older than Kirsten Dunst in the movie. A little older, which I did think was smart. And this is Claudia. So they turn Claudia, you'll see the situation in which that happened, why that was the case. And this was at the behest of of Louis. Louis begged Lestat, please, because he's lost his sister. You know, so can he be like a father figure, brother to her? And what does Lestat think about Claudia? Because of course he does it because he can he refuse Louis? Now, keep in mind that Lestat, is he a faithful person? So what does love mean to him, and does that mean the same thing to Louis? So once Claudia enters the mix, Lestat is a jealous person, or a vampire, which is worse. So Louis and Claudia develop a relationship, and essentially Louis is closer to her than to Lestat. No, 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 no. Lestat wants her gone from minute one. Hmm. She wants to be gone eventually as well. She's a teenager perpetually. You know, is she going to experience love and all of that other stuff? Will she have companions her own age? All of this starts to come into play. She's going to run away. You know, she's going to try to go to school and she's going to encounter other vampires. And Lestat warns her about that. He's like, do you want to go out there? Do you know what's lurking out there for you? Now, in the end of the season, we know Claudia and Lestat, they they both can't coexist. Whose side is Louis going to take? Because Louis is one of the most depressive people or vampires ever written, really. Now, keep in mind that he's telling his story many years in the future to a reporter he met years before this second interview, essentially, if you can follow all of that timeline shenanigans I just gave you. And this was the character played by Christian Slater in the movie, this time played by Eric Bogosian. By the way, Louis is played by Jacob Anderson. Um, And when it comes to Lestat, Lestat is played by Sam Reed. Uh, Claudia is played by Bailey Bass. So Daniel, when he first met Louis, was in his 20s. And they do show us that meeting at the end of this uh, first season. But now he's older, he's sick. You know, he's not doing well. And he's finally going to release this story to the world about this vampire. What's going to happen because of that? Because at this point, Louis has a lot of money. He has sycophants surrounding him, protecting him. You know, he's living in Dubai. That's where Daniel is. Daniel's staying there for the entire interview. They feed him, you know, all of that other stuff. They're very polite, unless Daniel isn't polite. And Daniel is a surly being. Okay, made even worse by his his illness. So he's combative with Louis. He's questioning Louis. He's just not taking this stuff for, you know, gospel. I mean, he has Claudia's uh diary that she wrote in. And Daniel's like, What about these missing pages? One time he pushed it too far though, and Louis was like, mm, it wasn't good. But he has one particular person by his side, Louis, that is. Who is always there, who Louis looks to to protect him? Why? I mean, this, this like human guy? What is going on? I mean, Louis fed on him? What is happening here? Yeah, I know. Look, look at the producer. <laughs> you now, now, producer, let me ask you this since you made that face. Tell us this. If you met a vampire, right, would you want to become a vampire? And in the hopes of becoming one, would you be there and let them, you know, take a little bit of blood, not kill you, take a little bit of blood, you know, you might serve them the blood they need, you might help them out, you might be there during the daytime. What do you think?
2: That's a hard pass.
1: Wow. Now, see, I thought yeah. you were. I thought you were more curious than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems interesting, but I don't know. It's the idea of somebody. So, like <laughs> in theory,
2: <laughs> just a the whole act. Just seems not interesting to me.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, right. I, being an elf would be interesting. Okay. See, now we've really gone way too far already. <laughs> <laughs> but which kind of elf? Like a Keebler elf, or Santa Claus elf, or like a Lord of the Rings elf? That's
2: a good question.
1: You want to be? A I was thinking elf because then you can bake. <laughs> bake cookies all day. Well, <laughs> oh, Santa's elves—they they do that too. That's Usually true. And see, like the Santa's—let's
2: see, right. But see, Santa's elves, like, because I think about Elf, the movie with um, crazy. What's his name?
1: Yes, we know. Yes, elf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will Ferrell.
2: Will Ferrell. And I just think about all all that sugar, like all of the the, the syrup, and that's a bit much. But like the key was of at least put their sugar in the form of a cookie, and I think that would be a more interesting way to consume it. So yeah.
1: So back to this. Thank you for that. So this person is Rashid. And what is going on with that? You'll find out at the end of the season. So we see what the climax is between Louis and Lestat. We see this. And you know, they can't stay in New Orleans forever. They never age. I mean, Louis sees his sister later on and she's like, I don't know who you are, but you ain't my brother. Hmm. I will say this, though, if I'm a vampire, you can't like smack talk me too much. (laughs) Even if you write like, uh, (laughs) I'm going to have to, I just be like, no, you're going to have to pull back the attitude a bit. I I get it, but you need to calm down. Um, So there we go, essentially, with the interview with the vampire season one. As you mentioned, it is renewed for season two. Um, The thing that works the best for this show, for me, is friction. When there's love and hate at the same time along with the vampire stuff like it can get really violent in the show i did like that like they didn't hold that like you may think these are beautiful vampires wait till they start killing it ain't beautiful okay and like when they when the three of them all in white and blood covered and floating around like mm-mm, nope
2: is it pretty uh, though
1: if you like the sight of horror blood, yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You, they are not pretty when they're killing. Because you it's know how not. like
2: Crouching Tiger, Hidden mm-hmm. Dragon, how that was like this really pretty killing?
1: No. Okay, not like that, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even when they do a little leap producer on the people, it, it's not pretty. It's more primal, which I think was a smart mm-hmm. decision. Mm-hmm. Because they're pretty outside of that. And that's the way they work it, which was now that we're talking, I do think that that's very good because you can see how they seduce people until it's too late.
2: Mm, got it.
1: Because once they have you, they don't need to be pretty anymore. Good point. Okay. Just like the soup Nazi said in a lame respondent. You're through. Okay. No more soup for you. <laughs> <laughs> One Malakatadi. Anyway.
2: Mm. <laughs> Next up. He had a whole store. They made a whole store for that guy. A whole like Yes, they should have.
1: Yeah. So, just to finish this. <laughs> new, new <story. laughs> that to me was when the show was at its best. I do think, though, it, I wasn't always learning something new. Uh, the Louis Lestat relationship to me got a little stale. I wanted to learn more. When they pulled in Claudia, even that, I was like, okay, I just want to learn something new in every episode. I didn't always get that. I thought they had a great beginning. I think overall it's a good show. I just think that it was a little bloated in certain situations. And they can get away with that because of the mood of the piece. The, all of the production elements they have are well considered. They have a strong cast. They are very thoughtful. I just think some of it dragged out, just to me. Uh, like, I'm not that compelled by Louis and Lestat, their relationship. Like, people would call it a toxic relationship. I hate using language like that, but that's what they would call it. They are abusive. There was one moment where Lestat really lets it go, and I was like, ooh, this is nasty. <laughs> it like, so that more of that was the show because that told me something new. And it also then propelled the season. And that's what I want. I like propulsive storytelling. Um, So that was my only thing for them. I wasn't always clear on what I was supposed to be learning throughout the season. Seven episodes, though, I think it was overall, again, good. And I will be seeing what they do in the next season. Because, of course, they have this huge reveal at the end of the season where if you know um, the movie or Anne Rice's books, you'll know. Like, I remember the movie enough. I haven't seen it in so long. I remember it enough to go, oh, but not beyond that. And also that's an issue because it shouldn't require that you've seen the movie or read the books to understand what that meant at the end. What I would have done is just a quick, quick like montage for this character. Just so we really know. Because they show a bit of who this really is, but not enough. I would have gone further and just shown a glimpse of what was to come in the next season for people who don't know who this person is at all. Like, you go, oh, this is such and such. (laughs) Like, if I haven't read the book, or you know, we could see the little bit they gave us. But I thought that was questionable. It just seemed a little too inside baseball to me. Um. So okay, you know, minor gripes really. I don't have major gripes for this show. And again, I think that overall it is a considered adaptation of Anne Rice's work.
2: Nice. Sounds like we'll be watching season two.
1: And you know it has um, all the sex, so people, you know, there are people gonna be watching. Oh, yeah, this, people but stop watch it, it, y'all. Yeah. You know you are. So there you go. <laughs> so yes, they have that for all of you. All right,
2: (laughs) next up, (laughs) TV Sneak Peek, brought to us by Prime Video, which premieres on Friday, uh, November the 11th, which also happens to be Veterans Day, um, entitled The English. So who's in this? What is it about? Who should be watching?
1: Well, it is written and directed by Hugo Blick. Now, Hugo Blick brought to us uh, The Honorable Woman with Maggie Gyllenhaal, Also, uh, Black Earth Rising, Michaela Cole starred in that. So, you know, he does big shows about big ideas and thorny issues. Um, So, in this show, at the top of the uh, top build is Emily Blunt. I mean, need I say more? Okay. So, we have Emily Blunt, and joining her as a co-star is K Spencer, And then we have other people popping up, Kieran Hines and Toby Jones and Stephen Ray, Rafe Spall, you know, a really strong cast. Now, at the opening, Emily's reminiscing on when they met. Who's they? And he saved her life. Is it like Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard? I want to run to you. (laughs) Or is it something else? <sighs> where, where did they find me? I could <laughs> 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 So, okay. They fill in the story, of course. We go back in time. And we meet a Pawnee man. And this is Cheské's character, Eli. It's 1890. And we're in the newly created territory of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Now, at the start here, there are white soldiers who hunt and kill an indigenous man named Running Hawk. Running Hawk killed a white man. Okay, they're about to kill all of his companions, but Eli stops them. How? How could Eli do this? Well, he is a soldier, and it's his last day serving in the army. One character, A white one says this to another white one, the one who's killing. How's that? You kill one, follow another. In response, he says something like. (laughs) Now, Eli, since this is his last day, he's on his way back home to Nebraska and he was a sergeant in the U.S. Army. So that's how you could say, hey, wait, stop and he expects to be given the few acres of land promised to soldiers. But one of his white companions says to him, just you remember, in there, you've been one of us, but out here, you're one of them. Yeah, and we know this kind of stuff is true. Yeah, doesn't matter what you gave, they are gonna take. Now we meet Cornelia. So this is Emily Blunt's character. And she starts out in High Plains, Kansas. She's talking to two men, a killer, we come to find out, played by Kieran Hines, and her driver, played by Toby Jones. What a great, just what a great collection of three actors right there Emily Blood, Toby Jones, and Kieran Hines. Okay. And she sees firsthand how indigenous people are treated when she meets Eli in desperate circumstances. How does she react? Where does that get her? It is the Wild, Wild West after all, and not Will Smith's. The real one. Remember that song producer with Cisco? Oh yeah, of course. It
2: was. It was. Wasn't it like a hit? Yeah, a top, a top. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah it did really well.
1: If that, unlike the movie. Well, <laughs> I, pff, no comment. I love Kevin. <laughs> no hats off. to Kevin, but, mm-hmm. If okay, I was gonna say you know if that's the kind of singing that's acceptable, we all can get a job singing. Leave Cisco alone. (laughs) Shout out to Drew Hill. (laughs) Now, back to the show. Now, what we find out is for uh, Cornelia, someone killed her son. How? Where? When? And she's going to kill them. That's why she's here in the States because she's British. She is the English. Hmm. But she got to survive long enough to get down to this uh, business of who did it and so on. Luckily, there's Eli, if he can free himself. But what is Eli really about? Does he care about her? Is he willing to go to Wyoming for her revenge? Whoa. Where is he going, really? Where was he coming from, really? Are they connected in any way that they don't see coming? Do they know what they're getting themselves into there are all kinds of dangers and deaths lying in wait for them, but they've seen enough already to know that at least that at least this ain't going to be easy. OK? And Cornelia's been in the country for just two weeks. She knows that much. <laughs> so really, the two of them are straddling lines, okay? For Eli is being a U.S. soldier and a Pawnee man. Okay, how do you navigate that? For Cornelia, it's being one of the English, of course, and being a woman. How do you navigate that? And as they get to know each other, they do have differences, but do they understand each other's differences? Do they learn about each other, come to respect each other? Do they understand how their different worldviews might be simpatico, no matter how bleak the world is? Now, this is a Western, of course. It's a Western epic television show. You get the landscape, you get the music. Doo-doo, you know, that kind of stuff that I'm making up. It's stylish. You're going to love how it looks and so on. But to me, it didn't quite land, especially the humor. It needed to be punched up a bit. It needed either to be funnier or weightier or both. And I couldn't quite grasp the reaction they wanted me to have. Did they want me to laugh, to be horrified, to be angry? I didn't quite know. It's just something about it was false to me. A little light in the pants. It's like they were trying to do stuff that's been done better. I was thinking of the Coen brothers, of course. Um, True Grit, their version of that along with The Battle of Buster Scruggs, Tarantino, of course. I mean, how not? Leone, of course. You got to think about that. Even Godless on Netflix. To me, those are all better. Even still, it's not bad. I think that there will be people who are entertained by this. If you want an echo of those better works in this genre, I think you'll be uh, won over by the cinematography and the music in particular, along with, I mean, they have good actors. They really do. Um, so it's not bad, but it just missed the mark for me. I wanted it to, to be spectacular. I think it could have been if they were bolder. And I I just saw the first two episodes. I didn't finish because that was enough for me. I just was like, eh, okay. But see, I'm not the biggest Hugo Blick fan. I'm really not. Like The Honorable Woman, I finished and I was like, okay, some of it I really like, some of it but he always has good actors. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal was great in that. Uh, the Black Earth Rising, I didn't get out of the first episode. It just, something, I don't know what it is. We just don't click all the way. Um, I really wanted to, wanted to like it, though. Uh, two were enough, two episodes. So there you go. But if you like Hugo's stuff, I would definitely check this out. Um, if you're a Western fan, start it. Start it. Because you may find that you like it. It might just be my personal hang up. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm being charitable again.
2: You are and mm-hmm. honest, which is all we ever want to be at Why Watch That. Yes. Um. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, are right, we going to have honesty? Yes.
1: Get ready, everybody.
2: The main attraction. Boop, 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 boop. Um, this is a movie sneak peek. <laughs> this is uh, part two of a movie by the name of Black Panther Um, but part two is called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm -hmm. It's going to be in theaters November 11th as if you didn't know but it's going to be in theaters Friday November the 11th so I don't even know what the critic I didn't even ask the critic what he thought about this so we're all getting this one hot off the press okay.
1: the critic didn't tell you <laughs> what spoiled the fun for you?
2: <laughs> so <laughs> let us know your thoughts on, uh, yeah, Wakanda Forever.
1: How was yes. it? Yes. I'm going to start by saying this, producer. I'm not the biggest fan of Black Panther, and I'm not a hater of Black Panther. I'm somewhere in between. I do not have rose colored glasses with Black Panther. So let's be clear with that. And I'm going to tell you the truth. So with that said, people are going, oh, gosh, wait a minute. You don't know where I'm going. You have no idea. And what I did, uh, producer, before I went to the screening of Wakanda Forever, I watched most of the first Black Panther again.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Before I get to that, of course, unfortunately, we have lost Chadwick Boseman. Um, I thought he was a great fit as Black Panther, really. I think um, he deserved a better movie than the first one. Not that the first one was a bad movie. It was okay. Um, I think he was doing work in there that was lost. Just with my actor's eye, I was like, oh, you're making some interesting choices there. Because, and I've said this before when we were a podcast alone producer, if you get a script for Black Panther, how would you play it? And look at how he played it. It's not a common thought what he's doing. You know, he's taking the king aspect of it seriously and not I'm a king, but like I'm a man with soul and responsibility and I've got to keep my wits about me. I've got to pay attention to what's around me and I have to let people be who they are. Like there's, there's an interesting mix of things going on with Chadwick's interpretation of this character in the first Black Panther that was overshadowed by some things, in my opinion. Now, in Wakanda Forever, of course, they didn't recast Black Panther. He has died at the start. And the whole movie really is in response to that. It is mourning. It is grief. Which I will give them was a thoughtful way to handle this. I, if, that's, if there's one word for this movie, it's thoughtful. It really is thoughtful. So now before I go further into what the actual plot is about, Back directing is Ryan Coogler, who again is co-writing this with Joe Robert Cole. A uh, story is by Ryan as well. Uh, it is starring Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Winston Duke, Dominique Thorne, Florence Kasumba, Michaela Cole is in here this time, Tenoch Huerta Mejia, I love his name, Martin Freeman, Angela Bassett, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and others the cast is you can't i mean i can't fault this cast could i fault the first cast of black panther yes and i'll come back to that later one fault in particular now everybody's going oh my gosh calm down hold on to your seats everybody remember when you're listening to a critic you don't have to agree mhm now at the start of this we have letitia's character shuri of course sister Of Black Panther, Princess, and Grief. I mean, her big brother is gone. And there was even an interesting line where she says, because somebody asks her later on in the movie, who taught you all of the stuff you know? Because she's like Tony Stark, you know. And she said, my brother. I was like, well, that's interesting. Hmm. Now, I am not a comic book expert. I will not review with that. There are plenty of people who are, and they'll tell you all of the accuracies. I review what I see on the screen based on what they tell me, okay? So we start really with a funeral for T'Challa, and the queen, played by Angela Bassett, is now on the throne. And we have this whole procession, you know, and of course they pull from a lot of African influences, which were well chosen here. Like that sequence, the opening sequence, I think a lot of Black Panther fans are going to have a little, you know, get caught in the throat a little bit. The white, all of that, it was just well done. The way they slowed down, the movements, the dancing, I thought that was well done. Now, Black Panther is gone. The protector of Wakanda. Yes. Now remember, we do have the Dora Milaje. Uh, headed by Denise char- character, Okoye. So the all-female force, but they ain't Black Panther. But the queen goes to like a UN-type body, but I don't think it's the UN, because the writing was in French. Like, it wasn't United States, it was Etats Unis. So I was like, okay, where are we? And essentially, she walks in front of the world and says, you may think that You can come for our vibranium because Black Panther's gone. I'm here to tell you, you can't. France, Etats Unis. (laughs) Because they were the two countries we were looking at here. And they had a gift, or she had a gift for them to let them know, don't come for us. Okay? You don't see us, but we see you. Okay? (laughs) Shout out to the Roots. The Roots crew. (laughs) so okay so we know the vibranium is up for grabs now what she says is you're not getting our vibranium in wakanda but if you find it outside of wakanda good luck to you and you know the united states wants nothing more to get their hands on some vibranium they're looking for it and they may have found some in the middle of the ocean somewhere they have this contraption that can Locate vibranium. Why did that happen? But at this operation, a new group of people pop up literally from the water and float up and stop this operation. What in the world is going on? And we come to find out that these are the Talokan people. They're like an ancient Mayan civilization and they live underwater. Where did they come from? And their leader is, well, he goes by two names, but the name he was given, and it's not a good one, is Namor or Namor. You don't want to say it like it's Spanish. And that's Teynocha's character. Why are they interfering in this process? Do they want that vibranium that may have been found? Is there another reason? Now, what happens is, because of this, the United States and the world, who do they think interrupted this operation? Who do you think, producer, who would they say, hmm, who's coming in and stopping us from trying to find vibranium? Who could it be? Double contents Yeah, who else would it be? Now, as events unfold, Of course, Namor is going to meet up with the Wakandans, in particular, Shuri and the Queen. How? I'll tell you this it's alarming for Shuri and the Queen when he pops up. And it has a proposition for them. Again, it's all about this vibranium. Now, is it a proposition or is it a command or is it a Warning, how can he be powerful enough to do this with them anyway? What is going on? Like he can fly, (laughs) he has winged feet. Oof. So is this an opportunity to be allies? Allies against whom? Or are they doomed to be enemies? Because he wants them to do one thing in particular for him. Find the person who designed that thing that found the vibranium in the ocean. It's this person. Now, this is a new character here who is known in the comic book circles. And I'll just give it away because they give it away. So this is Riri, Riri Williams, who will be in the upcoming Ironheart TV show. So see, this is all about selling stuff. So... She's the one. She's another Tony Stark like character. So we got three of them, right? You got Tony Stark and then you got Shuri and then you got Riri now. And Riri is at MIT. Can they find her? Can they bring her back? Are they going to give, you know, Namor what he wants, which is Riri or not? And by the way, if she gave this technology to the United States government, who else is watching? Are they just going to let her be taken and you know by the Wakandans or by the Talukans or anybody else? Is the question, and this is where we get Martin Freeman's character Everett K. Ross, who has been a friend to the Wakandans, you know their favorite colonizer. They keep calling him, <laughs> and there he is. And remember, he's a uh, in the CIA. And then we also, of course, have Julia Louis Dreyfus's character, who is essentially his boss how do they see things? Do they see eye to eye? And what do the other Wakandans think? Because in addition to uh, Okoye and so on, there is Winston Duke's character, M'Baku. And remember M'Baku, the leader of the Jabari tribe, the Jabaris were the ones way away from everybody else. You all are idiots. Stay away. Well, now he's a member of the council, of the Queen's Council. And he comes in that opening scene. He and Okoye, mm, they don't get along. You know, she's calling him muscle brains. Well, he might be muscle brains, but he got a point. Okay, he's like, if we give him her, what else would he want next time? Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. So what are the Wakandas going to do? Can they go it along? Are they going to join up with the world powers? Are they going to join up with the Talacons? For what purpose? And where are we going to end? And what in the world is going to happen in the shadow of Black Panther? I think I've given enough. Don't you think so, producer? Yes. Now tell me this, producer, because you actually have seen Black Panther, which is a miracle. After hearing... (laughs) that much of the story. What do you think about Black Panther Wakanda forever? Are you interested in this? Do you think it makes sense what's happening there?
2: Yeah, I'm totally interested. And I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't sure if I was going to be. Yeah. But that sounds interesting to me.
1: Yes. So now for the review. Again, I watched the original again. I talked about my thoughts about Chadwick as Black Panther. Um, I just think the original was fine with glaring problems. There were failed attempts at humor. I don't think any of the humor worked. Not to me. They didn't land. And one of my major problems with the original, and what I'm talking about and not quite honoring what Chadwick was doing in that movie, when Kilmarger throws him off the waterfall, it was like, okay, moving on. I remember watching that the first time going, what? (laughs) Did he actually get thrown off because we just moved? Like, the least you could do is give us a black screen for a moment to say our titular character was just tossed off of a waterfall. Toss him off. You show a couple of shots with him falling. And then it's like, okay, you know, all of his, uh, all of his uh, female family members scurry into the rock. I'll talk more about that a little later. I got more to say. Here, they honored Chadwick quite well. Actually, it was kind of like the driving force through the story. Again, that grief, how do you handle it? Because that's something I'm not giving away. But when it comes to Shuri and uh, Namor, that is something that might bring them together. So there's almost an intellectual And seductive quality to what uh, Namur's doing and trying to convince the Wakandans to come to his side, in particular Shuri, because he knows what she's thinking and feeling. How, I won't tell you. So, what they really did was sat down and thought about that. And I think because of Chadwick, who he is, they said, We gotta do um, him justice. You can just feel that here. Also, in the first movie, Especially watching it again, producer, I was going, from scene to scene, I don't know why they chose to take me to this scene other than we are here too long in the previous scene. Let's go to this set or location. Let's go to that. It just felt scattered. And the reason is because of how I believe how they tried to um, not reveal who Killmonger was, which to me wasn't that big of a reveal anyway. It just led to a bit of narrative confusion. Like if watch it again, you can watch it again. It's on Disney Plus. Go ahead, and you tell me why they went from one scene to the next. Give me the reason. In this movie, I I just told that whole story without looking at any notes, because it was clear logically. I went they I went okay. You introduce they're coming for vibranium. Then we go to where you're looking for vibranium outside of it because the queen says good luck to you. Then we introduce the Talukans who try to stop it. Then we get, oh, there's this person who built this thing. Got it. They want that person. Go to the Wakandans. The Wakandans going to, like, it just makes sense. Now, when it comes to the fights, in the first movie, some of them were better than others. I thought that the camera work was quite challenging, especially at the end of that movie. And by that, what I mean is, when I'm watching a fight, I like to see the contact point. Because that's the point. (laughs) If your camera's all over the place, and I don't know what to focus on, that's an issue. Here, not all of the fights were great. Again, there is a different cinematographer. The first one especially, there was some jitteriness to it. I don't know. But I thought overall it was better than the original. Um, For instance, contrast at the end of Black Panther, the explosion when Kilmarger and Black Panther meet, that final battle. Why in the world are we so far away from it just to see this explosion? Why? Why don't we see them being thrown away from the explosion? I don't understand it. This is the confusion. So you take that kind of example, go look at it again. It just doesn't make any sense. Look, why is the camera here? But then there's a moment here with um, M'Baku, when he's fighting, I won't give away too much. It's right on the contact point. Now, we do have another car chase sequence here. Some of it is like, let's pull Echoes from Black Panther. I think from Black Panther, that was probably the best entire sequence. You know, when they have the wigs on and they walk into that underground club and, you know, it leads to all of that. That's probably the best stretch of Black Panther. However that car chase ended on a failed joke you know when the car dismantles and you know they're skidding down the road and because these aren't comedians like ryan kugler is not a comedy director you can tell it when they finish the skid producer you pause it and then you let more stuff break down like that's a comedy it, Outside of that, though, that sequence to me I thought was very successful. Here they did another car Chase without the humor. Thank you. That was a wise decision. Now, when it comes to the people of Talokan, I think they were well rendered. I wasn't quite sold on all the CG. Namor's winged feet didn't quite work for me. The whales, because they ride whales, they looked Okay. The underwater stuff, because you do go into their, where they live and all of that, I thought it was a bit too dark. Like I understand what underwater, they needed to make it a little lighter, just brighten it a bit. But they, the way that they built their civilization, I thought, was quite successful. There was a richness to it that I did appreciate. I think there was a nice blend of Mayan culture and Aquaman, frankly, and even General Zod's army. army. Some of it is just echoes of Aquaman. Um, But I think that they provide an opportunity for the movie to further explore some of its themes. Colonialism, of course. How do you fight back against that? How do you protect your people? Are you going to be someone who reaches out or who insulates? uh, You know, even when it comes to grief, like it was was a smart decision to pull them, them in and to make um, more the villain. Now, speaking of that, the cast, once again, they rise to the occasion and they have no issues this time. And here it comes, everybody. So get ready. And the first Black Panther, my biggest problem with it, and again, I thought it was okay overall. My biggest problem was Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. I think he failed completely. Yeah, no wins at all. And I'll tell you why. One of my biggest pet peeves is. When people play villains and they do what's on the page. If I threw the Black Panther script at someone walking down the street and they picked it up and played Killmonger, they would make the same decisions. The throne is mine. I think when Killmonger goes to Starbucks, he goes, (laughs) I want my coffee black, venti. Is that how he does
2: it? <laughs> Every line was said like this. Every line. Go watch it again. It's like,
1: is there any new... Is, did we learn anything outside of what was written from Michael B's take on this character? Do we know what makes him laugh? Do we know what he's interested in? This is what you do as a villain. As a villain, they vote you as a villain. You have freedom to play everything else. All the great villains in film, TV, stage history, Every actor has done something that's not on, this, on the page. That's the beauty of playing a villain. I don't have to play villain. When you play Scar, what an opportunity. You smile, you lay back, you know, and then people hate you even more. That's the beautiful thing about it. Where was his smile? What makes him smile? Even the first scene of Black Panther when he shows up and he's in the museum and he's pointing at stuff. No. And look, Excuse me, before you all, you know, really, you know, your heads pop off. I thought that Michael B. Jordan should have been nominated for an Oscar for Fruitvale Station, his first collaboration with Ryan Coogler, Ryan Coogler's first film. I thought it was that good. So it's not hating on Michael B. Jordan, it's that that is bad acting. And these people praising it. Are you serious? Ugh. No. I liked him in Creed, too. I did. Now, I mean, Creed, the first movie, not Creed 2, which is fine, but I'm just talking about Creed. Now, outside of the sequence, you know, after, you know, the whole Rocky uh, salute when he's finished working out in the streets and he has a shadow box. And uh, Ryan, that went on way too long. Like, come on. Everybody started getting uncomfortable with that. Where is the editor? <laughs> like that it was after a while, I was like. Did somebody fall asleep in an editing? Pen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Michael B. Jordan was like, "Okay, how much longer do you want me to do this?" Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> so you should never put me on video. <laughs> so yes, I will say when it. it's good. Again, Fruitvale, I thought he should have been nominated for an Oscar. <sighs> so why am I saying all of this? Because when we look at Tenocha's take on Amor, completely different. There's a soul to him. There's dimensions to him. I'm interested in what he's thinking. It's not just what's on the script. Oh, yes. And the thing about that is you're drawn to him. You're not quite sure are we on his side or not? Does he have a point or not? Like That is what you want from the villain. Because everything Michael B. Jordan was saying in Black Panther, I was like, I don't care. You have no argument. (laughs) Because you're saying every line the same way. All right, it's 10 p.m. I'm going to bed. (laughs) Everything is the same way. (laughs) Like That would be funny. Somebody should do a spoof of Killmonger, like just a day in the life of Killmonger, a normal life. (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious okay so I think that Tenoch really did a wonderful job I was invited by him I was engaged by him and I thought the writing was much richer for him as well so I would say very well done to him and to the writers now not a casting problem but a character problem here in Wakanda Forever is Riri not the actor the way they handled the character. Now, I'm going to ask you this, producer, okay? You are a genius, and you're like 19. You're at MIT. You've created technology that the government has taken to find vibranium. What do you think people are going to be doing if they find out that you're the one who created this thing?
2: Um, There's a few things. hmm they might try to kidnap you and get you to do something genius like for them. Um, they may try to hire you at some like startup company and have you create something um, <laughs> for, for that company. So pretty much take you out of school and kind of fast track you into becoming a millionaire. Um, or they may try to frame you to make you appear to be crazy um so that when they end up doing whatever they're going to do with what you created, that you don't have any credibility. So those are the three things that I would probably go for.
1: Right. So you, again, are this genius level inventor. And you have a dorm room. What would you do to protect yourself in your dorm room?
2: Um, put a lock on my door. Um basic the
1: basics. is that gonna be enough uh, remember what you just said
2: <laughs> no i know what i'm saying that would be step one minimal. you're an inventor you you're, you're not
1: you're not me <laughs> <laughs> the lock is on the door the lock ain't gonna <laughs> stop the CIA coming in
2: oh, it definitely will create some type of i don't know some type of force field some type of security surveillance system probably less like drone base that's that that's uh that's motion sensor that is that is connected to some type of um, application that gives you notifications. Uh, definitely have some type of scrambling system that you could actually listen in on communications. It's something pretty high tech like that.
1: And it took you 30 seconds to come up with those yeah.
2: ideas. And I, I'm not a genius. I'm pretty smart. Not a genius. And I'm not. An yeah, you're a, close, close enough.
1: Crazy. Stop it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Now, so with all of that said, that makes sense. Yeah, you're not going to feel safe in your little dorm room. You're an inventor after all. Okay. So when Shuri and Okoye come to get Riri, one of the worst scenes in this movie, it made absolutely no sense. First of all, she knows who the Wakandans are. Okay. And her protection is like a space heater.
2: What what do you mean? Like, with a gun inside
1: or something? No. See, yeah, it ain't naked gun or anything. No. Literally, I'm going to throw, like, a space heater at you. Not even one that has, like, beams that, like, can burn you or something. Not a laser. Now, by the way, she has other inventions and other things that are in a garage. Right? Okay, so that's there. But there is no protection in the dorm room. You have a... Also... She's a genius. She would know that throwing a space heater doesn't make any sense at all. It that was an opportunity for them to do what you were saying, producer, for them to show us more of her genius and to have the Wakandans have to deal with that. That would create a more interesting introduction instead of going for comedy, because that's what they did. They relegated her to comedic relief there. And from that first introduction, I did not care about this character. I hope they do a better job in the Iron Heart TV series. Also, excuse me, genius. Remember, I don't care what her age is. She is a genius and she ain't stupid. If every time a Wakandan tells you to do something, you don't, and bad things happen. Maybe by the third or the fourth time, you'll learn <laughs> to just do it. <laughs> okay, interesting. Anyway, look, again, when you think of, really, you got to think of Shuri and you got to think of Tony Stark. Like, what would they do? Exactly what you said, producer. I think she just paled in comparison to Shuri. Paled in comparison. Now, Shuri is going to be like a mentor to her and so on. But now, on a positive note, Winston Duke. Winston Duke is always a joy. He just lifts things up when he shows up on the screen as M'Baku. He just brings something special. First scene, great example when Okoye called him monkey brains. It's just a spice to it and a groundedness. I think they used him well because you may take him as ridiculous, but he's not. Like there's a wisdom to him. And I think Winston just nails that character. I really do. I think that Angela Bassett was given a lot more to do here and did it, of course. It is Angela Bassett. Because they got to pick up, you know, the hole that's left by Chadwick. They got to do it. Uh, Lupita and denai they know how to act. And I didn't tell you how Lupita's used here. Because remember, she's really Black Panther's companion. How do they develop that? I'm not giving any of that away. Mum is the word. They know what they're doing. Okay? Letitia. So really, Letitia's the lead now. Crystal clear take on her character in every moment. No exceptions. Not a false note. So again, across the board, the acting, you know, they did what they were supposed to. It was just unfortunate how they introduced Riri. But here's my question. Why does this have to be over two hours and 30 minutes? Over two hours and 40 minutes, why can't it just be two hours? Instead of leaving me wanting more, it was like, okay, and then it kept going. It's like, this is not the return of the king. How many endings are we gonna get? It is way too long, way too long. That sounds sounds really
2: long, Mm -mm. 240, that's crazy.
1: And this is, by the way, here's your directive, everybody. Because, you you know, when the credits come, you go, oh, we got to sit and see if we got, you know, like a hundred more scenes coming after that. This is what you'll need to do when you get the first end credit scene sequence, I should say. You know, that's when they when they don't have the black background. There is a scene after that first end credit scene. You do need to stay for that. I clocked it from the start of the movie to the end of that scene is two hours, 41 minutes. After that scene, you'll see more credits with a black background. You can exit. Okay, there is nothing coming at the very end. They don't have anything other than Black Panther will return. That's what you'll see. So if you want to see that, you can wait two hours and 45 minutes. Okay, so that's what it is. Overall, I think it was an improvement on the first. That's my opinion. Is it like the first? No, it is again about losing Black Panther, losing Chadwick, how do we hold the pieces together? We have this entity coming in, are they gonna take advantage of that? Or are they Are they people we can relate to? Like, it, it was just, I think overall, they had a little more care in this one. That's my opinion. And a much beller, better villain, not even close.
2: Okay. All right. I mean, this seems really cool,
1: interesting. Oh my god. People like the- your jaws off of up off of the floor. It's gonna be okay. Yes, <laughs> not just- everybody in the world thinks that Black Panther was the greatest superhero movie <laughs> ever made. No. Some of us have seen <sighs> more than one superhero movie. I just- <laughs> but again, What's it's funny? fine. It's like it's fine. It's a it's At fine. Its moment. <laughs> But see, I'm probably in the minority. I think that the sequel is better than
2: the original. Yeah,
1: even though we lost Chadwick,
2: Mm I do. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling with the time commitment. Yes, um, I am. It's an issue. It's an issue. I'm struggling with that.
1: Yeah. Um, Uh huh. Yeah, but I will. At the end, you just kind of like. This is not returning. We don't need like four any- I literally have to like take a day of work off to watch this. <laughs> like
2: that's, that's, that's a huge investment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think yeah. that fans of Black Panther, um I think they'll like it. I do. Mm-hmm. I think they It sounds
2: really interesting. Yeah. It really does sound like I'm gonna yeah. watch it at some point. They-
1: I just wish it were a bit brighter. Like I don't know why it's so dark. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's, that's the ocean what- or in general. Pretty much in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you'll see. Okay, sweet. Yeah, it's All not right, it's not the greatest camera work in the world. Not always. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay,
2: well, guys, listen. We, as always, went through went through the journey, the peaks, the valleys of TV and movies, and um, we're pretty sure that there was something. For you to watch thanks again for tuning in to another another episode of why watch that where we help you to figure out something that
1: you're gonna love regardless
2: um yeah until next time
1: thanks for joining us for up-to-date info and to share what's on your watch list be sure to follow us on facebook instagram youtube and tiktok at why watch that and on twitter at wwt radio also You can visit us at whywatchthat.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to go ahead and rate Why Watch That Radio on iTunes. Let's keep the conversation going.